joint pain, not having success with steroids, but trying to avoid surgery? Well, thankfully, there's a better way. And now it's available here from the medical professionals at QC Kinetics. We're talking about new therapies, advanced all-natural regenerative treatments that not only just give you relief, but also can restore and repair damaged tissue for long-lasting relief. If you've got joint pain due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, don't just think the old ways of dealing with pain are the only ways. You need to learn more about these new biologic therapy solutions. Call now for a free consultation. QC Kinetics, 337-243-4222. These remarkable new treatments increase mobility, decrease pain, and help restore tissue. They actually encourage your body to heal itself. Call now and learn more about these restorative, regenerative, and revolutionary alternatives. Don't wait. Call today. QC Kinetics, 337-243-4222. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. March is busy, man. March is busy. Sweet 16 games begin tonight. Pelicans have a big game against the Bulls. Cajuns and LSU dropped some tough ones on the diamond last night. UL Hoops make uh, made a decision. On Bob Marlin. Spring football continues. Like I said, NBA free agency. It's turning into... It's it's starting to resemble the NBA offseason in some ways. All this movement. It's wild. It's almost like you got to make these huge moves just to keep up, at least if you're in the AFC, and Miami went all in yesterday. We'll get into that this morning. So a whole lot to get into, plus two guests lined up. I'll visit with UL football coach Michael Desermo at 715 and uh, Louisiana Ragin Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, in studio at 830. Got plenty of questions for him. So keep it locked right here, guys. We're going to get into all of it. All of it. Starting on the diamond last night. Oh, man. You fight, you fight, you fight, you come back. Cajuns tie it up. It's 5-5. You're in the ninth, and then you get too generous. When you get too generous, you lose. Right? Nichols get their first guy on base, hit by pitch. Parker Goto comes off, boom, walk off. Then 
you end up loading the bases after making some mistakes. You know, you looked at LSU last night and their loss to, to Louisiana Tech. The difference was it wasn't it wasn't tied. They were up one, but similar in that air walk walk bases loaded, nobody out, boom. LaTeX wins in extra innings. They swept the midweek series. When you get late in the game in the ninth, and you get generous, and you're giving up bases, you're going to lose the majority of the time. And that's what happened last night. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. The Miami Dolphins. We'll circle back to local in a minute. They trade for Tyreek Hill yesterday. And, I mean, I was over at um, UL's athletic campus. We had a uh, press conference availability. Michael Desimo spoke at at, uh, 1130. And by the time it was done, he had been traded. But I had a lot of meetings yesterday, too. Yesterday morning, I was in a meeting here at the building. He's around 930. And DJ Digital from I-107.90 sends me a text. And he's like, hey, looks like Tyreek Hill's going to be on the move. I'm like, wait, what? It kind of came out of nowhere. The Chiefs are are thinking two steps ahead of, well, we're not going to end up paying him the deal that he's going to demand We're not going to end up paying him the deal that Drew Rosenhaus is going to ask for. So rather than let him go, let's go ahead and make a trade now, right? Sometimes in the NBA, you'll see a player. They'll have a a year left on their contract. You know, everyone in the organization knows they want out. So they're like, well, let's trade him now because might as well get something for him. The difference is the Chiefs window is still open. And they still have Patrick Mahomes. They've been, you know, in what, four straight AFC championship games? Five? Five straight number of Super Bowls? Like, what What are you doing? Five straight AFC championship games. Before last season, the previous three, they were in a Super Bowl. They only won one. But that's still open, and now you're getting rid of one of your best players, the fastest player in the league. That's why I wasn't expecting. It would be one thing if the, if the Chiefs were... I don't know. The Texans. The trade is pending a physical, but the Dolphins get their guy. Four-year, 120 mil extension, 72.2 million guaranteed, over 52 million at signing. He's the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. He's already under contract for next season. So the overall value of the deal, including the 120 million in new money, is over 141 million dollars the Jets were interested as well here's the thing I said this yesterday on uh, on my Twitter account I respect Miami for going all in and being aggressive do it you don't want your team to constantly sit it out every year and say oh we got cap space oh we have draft cap they have a lot of draft capital they still have draft capital even after what they gave up because I mentioned it, it ain't just the money you know, Miami gave up their uh, 2022 first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a fourth-round pick, plus fourth- and sixth-round picks in the 2023 draft. They still have multiple first-rounders this year, by the way. But 
I respect them being aggressive. And it will all pay off if, if Tua is good. That's really what it comes down to. You could say, oh, it's a young man's league. You could say, oh, it's it's a pass rush. It's a quarterback's league, regardless of the age of your quarterback. If they're 44 like Tom Brady or if they're in their early 20s like Justin Herbert. It's a quarterback's league. And if you have a really good one, you got a shot to win the Super Bowl every year. And if you have a really good one and you have great talent around them, Obviously, your odds increase a ton. The Bengals would have won this year if they had a little bit of a better offensive line. Miami investing in the team. built, And you got a new head coach, but really this comes down to Tua. The, this aggressiveness will pay off if he proves he can get it done. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Got word yesterday that Raging Cajun basketball was going to bring Coach Bob Marlin back for next season. And uh, I talked to Brian Maggard a little bit about it yesterday over the phone. We'll, we'll talk to him more about it when he's in studio at 830. What surprised me about the move was that he is coaching into the last year of his contract. And with only one year left on his contract, obviously there'd been plenty of speculation about his future. But what surprised me is typically in Division I men's basketball and in football, you don't see coaches coaching in the final year of a contract. It's not that normal at a certain level of college sports because usually they'll either have an extension or they'll, you know, they'll be fired before the contract ends. And there's different reasons why, you know. One is other teams, they can recruit and say, oh, that guy's not going to be there, whatever it might be. And that's something I'll I'll ask Dr. Maggot about, right? How much did that play into it? What are the thoughts on it? But I I was surprised. And, you know, they put a lot of weight into what happened in March and how the team performed late at the very end of the regular season and then in the tournament. And, you know, I got some questions for him. So we'll get into that. Also got some questions for Michael Desimo, Louisiana Rage Cajun football coach. They had their first padded practice yesterday. We will get into that. Coming up later this hour, after I talk to Des, we'll have open Coach Desimo will have open phone lines. Big games tonight. Gonzaga, Arkansas, Villanova, Michigan, Duke, Texas Tech, Arizona, Houston, Sweet 16 happening tonight. More on NFL free agency. The Saints continue to sit there make phone calls and not really pull the trigger on anything. Pels have a huge one tonight against the Bulls. Willie Green had some things to say yesterday about Zion Williamson. It's all coming your way. It's the great Scott show. It's ESPN Lafayette. It's the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. Sports talk that's so legit. It smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. 
the best Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening to us via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Mark on the Oil Center, Champagne's going the extra mile. Joining us now, the head football coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, owners of the longest winning streak in Division I college football, but... That was last season, and while that streak is a uh, thing they want to continue, the eyes are set on next season. They are currently in spring practice right now. Spring game is April 9th. Head coach Michael Desimo joins us right now. Good morning, Coach. How are you today? I'm doing great, Scott. Good morning, man. Thank you for having me on. Yep, always enjoy our conversations. You guys had your um, your first padded practice yesterday afternoon. Uh, I know the you know I know the weather was great, but uh, how was the football? How'd it go? Well, it was our first full padded practice. We've been shells uh, a couple of days before that, but um, it was good. Um, you know, the energy is really good. Um, the effort is is always there with this group. Um, you know, I, I think defensively they had a really good day. They've had, they've put together two really good days in a row on Saturday. And then again, on Wednesday, um, you know, offensively, um, we're kind of up and down a little bit right now, which, um, you know, lost, we, we lost some good ones on the offensive line and then we got a bunch of guys that are out right now. So you have, uh, you got a lot of young guys that are getting reps, which in the long run is going to be good. And, um, you know, they're going to make mistakes that that young guys make and that's going to happen. But, um, you know, as far as for, for practice, you know, really pleased with where we're at. Um, obviously, there's a long way to go to get where we want to be, but uh, you know that's why that's why we we do the that's why we do what we do. You know that's why you get 15 practices in the spring and all season and the whole deal. Well, you knew you'd be short on numbers on the old line in the spring and in, in certain aspects of the offense. When when you're a little short and you say, look, the defense is looking good, the offense in the long run, these reps are good for the young guys. But is it difficult as a coach to gauge? the other side of the ball, the defense, when the offense just, it's not, it's not as if they're, you know, bad per se. They're just not, they just don't have the, you don't have the full deck of cards, right? Like how, how much do you gauge? Okay. The defense is looking really good. Offense we're improving, but we got work to do, but you also don't have the full deck of cards. So how much emphasis do you put on the, uh, the result defensively? Well, I think you put the emphasis on, on the techniques and the and the fundamentals that you're asking them to do, you know, and um, as long as they're doing it, doing it the way that you ask, and you feel like you'll have success regardless of who lines up in front of them, you know. Obviously, you know, football is a game where it's, you know, there's a saying: it's not always about the X's and O's. Sometimes it's about the Jimmys and Joes. You know, they're the guy across from you absolutely matters, um, you know, and who you're playing. But I think it's about getting them to do it the way we want them to do it, and uh, you know, I mean. Like I said, I mean, you know, offensively, it's 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 certainly not like you know we've got some good players out there. It's just not as many as you used to have, and as many as you want to have. So, um, you know, our defense—it's not like they're going. You know, they're not going against barrels. You know, they're going against some guys that can that are going to be good. I think in the long run. Um, but you know, the whole deal is it's 
you got to, you know, it's all about the greater good. You know, you're better off going out there running with as many different groups, you know, twos and threes, as many groups as you can do because um, for the team in the long run, it's it's a much better situation for those guys to get reps, um, you know, regardless of who it's against or in what setting it's in. Um, getting those reps is something that we feel like in the long run for us over the past four years has been huge. Um, it's been instrumental in the development of some of these young guys, and that's why we knew and we felt like they were ready to play because we've, shoot, we've seen it, you know. Uh, talking about reps, uh, tight end Johnny Lumpkin, his jaw gets a lot of reps. Does it ever get sore from all his talking? I don't think so. Johnny, uh, <laughs> he, he can spit it out pretty good. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, it's kind of funny. Um, so he says he, he's from the, the temp in Atlanta, which is a neighborhood in Atlanta. And uh, so I tell people all the time, if you don't know how to speak temp, you're going to have a hard time with them. So I had to I had to learn the language a long time ago. So uh, some people, they, they struggle to put it together. But but he and I spent enough time together, you know, fortunately, that uh, that I've kind of figured it out a little bit. One of my favorite interviews on the team, I've, uh, I've enjoyed talking to him over the years. And, you know, I know he's one of your – uh, seniors that's been there for a while, uh, you usually have an idea going into the spring, Coach, of who, I guess, some of your leaders are going to be. And, you know, I don't want him Zion Hill, but he's he's out right now, right, nursing an injury. And that was not – that was expected. That wasn't anything new. But, like, are there any young men that are perhaps stepping up in that leadership role that you didn't see coming or, or – not that it surprises you, but they weren't one of those guys you kind of already had circled like, okay, he's going to be one of these guys for us. You know, I think, you know, I, I have a, you know, a philosophy and I've always believed this and I've always said this. You're never too young to lead. Um, and I don't think it matters what age group you're in, what class you're in, like guys that are born leaders are just born leaders. Um, and you can see it early on. Some have to develop it a little bit and get comfortable in that role. Um, you know, but we, the good thing over here is that, you know, first of all, we have a lot of kids that are really, that are self-motivated, um, that want to do things right because it's the right thing to do and because we ask them to do it. Um, and then on top of that, you know, what's happened over here over time is, you know, there's been a standard that's been set and they've seen the, the byproduct of it, the success, right. And things that have come from it. So it helps. I think when you're trying to develop a chemistry on the team and a culture on the team, because, you know, they've seen the success, they've seen the work that goes into, you know, lead to the success. So, you know, I mean, we've got a pretty, it's kind of a funny group, you know, cause you've got, uh, you've got a really veteran group that's played a long time. You talked about Johnny Lumpkin, you talked about Johnny, uh, about Zion Hill. I mean, uh, shoot, you go down the list, you know, Andre, uh, Andre Jones, shoot, Chris Moncrief, uh, Eric Gare, uh, Braylon Tronghong, you know, you go down the list with all these guys that have been here for, for four and five uh, years, and some of them, you know, going on six. And it's uh, it's kind of those guys have had to step up the leadership role because, you know, people don't, you know, when you really look at it, the guys that we've lost, you know, through graduation or whatever, um, those guys have been here a long time too. And so they had been in leadership roles. So now even though some of these guys are older, it's really some of them, it's their first chance to step in and take ownership of this team and take over. So, you know, we do have a leadership council um, where we've got, you know, 16 guys on it that, uh, that, that are good leaders and good examples of what it's supposed to look like on our team. Um, but you've got a bunch of kids right now that are, 
mean, shoot, you don't have to be on the leadership council to be out there and lead, and that's what we want is a bunch of people that they, they want to lead by example and they want to lead from the front and show everybody what it looks like. Coach Michael Desimo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, Louisiana Raging Cajun football. Two weeks from this Saturday, have the spring game. That is April 9th, 11 a.m. at Cajun Field. Uh, they're doing some work between now and then, though, and that's what coaches here are talking about uh, with us. Coach, from a um, team health standpoint, you know, we I, I kind of addressed this yesterday, but I want to ask you for maybe some of our audience that didn't hear it. You knew heading into the spring, guys, it would be out. Any any new new issues, or have you guys, to this point at least, kind of avoided that injury bug uh, so far in, uh, in, in spring camp? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, Hunter Herring had an injury that was kind of, um, it, it, it was really from last season, but it was something that we didn't, we didn't foresee happening. You know, it kind of, we thought it was just a rest thing. And then when he got back into the all season program, it hadn't gotten better. So we had to have that repaired. So that was a, that was a surprise, but I mean, you know, that, that happens from time to time, right? Um, you know, yesterday, uh, Lynn Burton uh, came out of practice with a, uh, it looked like a foot injury, so we don't know the extent of it yet. We're certainly hoping that it's nothing serious because Landon is a guy that's really, he, you know, he's out there having a great spring, I mean, a really good spring. He's got a chance to compete for a starting, you know, the starting center job. So um, hopefully that's, that's not very serious. Um, and like I said, Nathan Thomas, He's had a, a phenomenal offseason and, and first, you know, three, four days of spring. He's been out the last few days um, with it's, it's more like a tendonitis type of thing. So it's not a, it's nothing that's real critical or real serious, but it is something that, you know, he's going to have to take some rest. Um, so he'll be out for a little bit, hopefully not too, too long. Um, and then A.J. Washington, um, he's got a, uh, you know, a minor lower body injury that, you know, right, it doesn't look like it'll require surgery, just some rehab and some time. So, you know, you got a few of those guys that are out and uh, it's part of the game, right? You know, everybody kind of knows it. Um, again, the ones that you just kind of concern, that I don't want to say concern you, but the ones that really for us as a team that are hard to, for us to, uh, to really survive are the O-line injuries just because, you know, we had four potential starters out going in the spring, which we knew about. And it's like, well, you know, okay, we can, we can still make it work there, but everyone you lose in that spot gets, uh, makes it harder and harder to, uh, to be able to practice the way you need to and want to for the whole team. So, you know, been pretty fortunate, but as always, you know, every injury does kind of does count. They do all add up and, you know, certainly you hate to see your kids have to go through that. Yeah, certainly. Um, Wishing Landon well, and you know his younger brother hosts a show on this station. Works for us, Lynn. And you mentioned the O line. You also mentioned Hunter Herring. Um, from a quarterback standpoint, coach, I asked you yesterday about the the depth chart at quarterback, and um, you kind of explained that you have Chandler Fields, Ben Walrich. They're maybe ahead of some of the other guys, but the biggest reason why is simply because they've been in the system longer. You being a former quarterback, you being the play caller. Um, I, I imagine you, you're looking over the whole team, but just your history of that position, uh, and your role as the head coach, do you look at quarterbacks maybe with, um, a different eye in that, you know, if it's, uh, how do I explain this? Like if you're talking about linebackers, you know, are you perhaps picking the brand of your linebackers coach more than you would quarterbacks? And I know you're, you're talking to coach Lazy and everybody in terms of the QBs, but 
guess do you look at it with a the simple way to ask it is just is it a little bit of a different eye from you when you're looking at the depth chart and analyzing and coaching the QBs compared to some other positions on the team? Well, sure. I mean, you know, obviously I'm, I'm in there with them every day, and um, you know, and I feel really comfortable coaching that position. Obviously, um, you know, having played, having coached in the past, um, you know, I think you always lean a little bit more on other people, even if you know the position. Um, if it's one that you don't coach and you're not with them every day, um, you know, really, Coach Vitor is the one that that to me, you know, with the quarterbacks, you know, that I'm leaning on the most. Um, just because everybody else, I mean, shoot, you know, George is coaching tight ends, Tim's coaching receivers. Um, so, you know, Coach Vietor has really helped me um, kind of organize some of the things that we wanted to do. And and uh, the day-to-day, you know, he's always kind of watching, evaluating everything. So, um, obviously, as, as long and as well as he's done it, I, I certainly uh, trust and value his opinion. Um, but, you know, I mean, like I've said before, you know, and I know everybody, you know, everybody wants to talk about the quarterback battle, and that's, you know, Everybody, you know, everybody loves that, right? But it's not for us. It's not like a competition on our behalf to see how fast we can end it, how fast someone can win it. Um, it's not what it's about at all, right? It's about the long run. And that's why, you know, yeah, could we go out there and put out a depth chart right now? Well, I mean, sure, you know, but it doesn't really matter because in the end, we want to continue to develop all these guys and give them a chance to where they can make our team better. Um, and you, that's what you want is the best guy to run out there and help the team win. So, you know, sure, right now, obviously, you know, some guys are ahead of others and you got, you know, some guys know it better than others. And, you know, day to day, you know, everyone's got a good day, bad day, whatever. But, you know, you try to go through this spring and after 15 practices really look at it, you know, just kind of step back and look at it and say, all right, well, who gives us the best chance to win, right? Who's the one that knows it the best? Who's the one that, you know, has the best physical attributes that help us win? Who's got the best intangibles, leadership skills, poise, um, you know, confidence to help us go out there and win. And, you know, the good news is that we've got a lot of really good options in there. And, you know, people, that's what they want to talk about, right, quarterbacks. And it's like, well, you know, all I can tell you is whoever wins it, you know, we'll, we'll be in really good shape. We'll have someone really good pulling the trigger for us, and uh, they'll lead us, and they'll do it the right way. How do you guard against um, them not – how do I put this? Being too hard on themselves, at least in spring, you know, because you're going to, like you, you told us this yesterday, right? Mistakes are going to be made. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure the QBs feel like, okay, this, it's, I'm competing for this job, but it's, it's not just a, a single audition, right? I've got, I've got some time here and just not being overly critical on themselves, not being afraid to make a mistake, I guess, because you want them to be loose, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, how do you? you know, what's the, the what's the message to them? I mean, how do you get? I mean, I know the message is you just tell them, but as a head coach, I imagine it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, I, I think the thing is just it's the way that you handle mistakes. You know, um, you know, you, you can you know if you crush somebody over every mistake they make, well, they're, they're certainly going to be terrified to make mistakes. Um, you know, I just. I just kind of take a different approach, you know. I mean, I just I feel like you you correct the mistake and you you do it in a way where they understand. Well, that's not that's not the way that we're going to operate in this offense. That's not the decision that we want to make. You know, this is a better decision. This is how we want to do it, and you move on. Um, you know, and I think that helps. And I think you don't become too uh, too you don't do too much of it on the field where you're 
you know, that's where the emotions are always at, right? The intensity and, and all that stuff. So on the field, you just kind of let things happen. You make some small corrections here and there and you just kind of do it in passing. But in film, when all the emotions out of it, and you're just watching it and you just kind of have a chance to talk through it. It's like, well, you know, what are you thinking here? And they'll tell you. And then that way I like to ask what they're thinking because you get a better feel for why they made the decision. Right. And then you can say, okay, well, that's where we kind of went wrong right here. Right. You were thinking, right. And then you did this and then you can fix it. So you get to the, to the foundation of where the mistake occurred and not necessarily just, all right, the ball went to the wrong spot. Well, why did it go there? What were you thinking? And that helps. Um, The biggest thing that I've told really the whole team is this, and, and this is, you know, just to kind of sum up trying to make them not scared to make mistakes is, Nobody's going to win a starting job in one day, and nobody's going to lose it in one day. It's it's a body of work that takes time, and it's it's a collective effort that you put in over time. So, you know, you go out there and have a bad day, well, yeah, that sucks. You should be mad about it. You should come back tomorrow and want to be better. But it's not going to be fatal, you know. Um, you have a great day, and you feel like, you know, you're you're – you're the next uh, Drew Brees out there. Well, that's great. Well, let's go stack up another one. You know, um, one day's not going to do it for you either. So, you know, that's really kind of – that's a big thing that we've talked about. And, and like I told you guys yesterday, you know, we've talked about it in, in our staff meetings is that, you know, these kids cannot be scared to fail. Uh, they can't feel like every mistake is going to be fatal. They have to feel like it's part of the process, and they have to know that they're going to get feedback and they're going to get correction and they're going to get those things because, um, you know, I, I saw our team last year where we went in to the beginning of the season to Texas and Nichols, and our kids were terrified to make a mistake. They were terrified not to live up to the expectations that, you know, we had made for ourselves. And, um, you know, when we finally kind of put all that stuff to bed and said, hey, look, you know, we can't go undefeated, we can't, you know, can't go 14 and 0, right? Whatever, that's behind us. Let's just go play. Um, we started playing better, and I've always believed that this game, you, you got to play loose. You can't play scared to make mistakes. You're going to make them. You just got to move on after you do. Coach Michael Desimo, our guest. Uh, a few more for you, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time. This is the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette. Um, special teams. Percy Butler's not there anymore. He was a huge part of it. You got a, a great punter in Reese Burns from a kicker standpoint. I know Almendares is uh, coming off of an injury, but um, I, you know, it's not. I, I guess I asked you yesterday about you know new special teams coach um, coach Luke Pascal, but in terms of the overall unit as a whole, how have they been in the spring? And um, you know, how do you how do you feel about them right now at this point? Are the specialists as a whole? Yeah, just overall. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel really good about it. Um, you know, the kickers, you know, you're watching three guys really competing for the place kicking spot. Um, and now we haven't had them do any kickoffs yet, you know, um, which I know, you know, I know Kenny's got a live leg. You know, I know Logan Klotz has a live leg. Um, Evan Padilla, the new kicker, um, I have not seen him kick off. You know, um, now as far as place kicking goes, these guys are really accurate. Um, they're competing really hard for it, and um, you know that that's obviously a good thing. You know, there's no doubt that that the field goal kicking last year at times handicapped us, and uh, you know now we did make some big kicks down the stretch in the bowl game and things like that. But I think having those guys in competition that are all very capable is good. Um, you know, at long snapper. 
you know, you lost a guy that had some experience, so you got two young guys that should be battling out uh, for that spot. Unfortunately, uh, Hunter had a weight room injury before spring started, so he can't really snap to the capacity that he'd like to really. You know, he's kind of out there mentally trying to get reps and, and get himself caught up, but um, James Segrist is really taking all the reps right now at long snapper, which will be really good for James. Um, you know, they get the chance to go out there and really put out on display what he can do. Um, and he's done a good job with that. And then, you know, you go to punters and, you know, Reese Burns, there's not a whole lot more to be said. You know, Reese is, is an absolute professional in the way that he does it. You know, he, he's locked in. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's taken to it really well. Um, and, you know, Thomas Leo is a guy that I think has got a tremendous amount of leg talent. Um, he's just been behind a really good player, you know, in Reese. So Thomas gives you a viable backup option right there at punter too. So, um, you know, that specialist group has been good. Coach Pascal is going to do a great job with them. Um, I love his vision for what he wants to be on special teams. I think we're simple where you need to be simple. Um, I think there's a lot of variables that look complicated that other teams are going to have to prepare for. Um, but it makes it simple for our kids to go out there, go play fast, go be physical, and um, and really impact the game, which is what you're looking for, right? Coach Michael Desermo, great stuff. You've got the spring game, which is two weeks from Saturday, but you got a lot to do between now and then. you got a scrimmage coming up. What's your approach to a scrimmage, both as, as a head coach now and as a play caller? I mean, I think the big thing for the scrimmage, I think, is we need to um, – now, I talked to Coach Morgan, you know, we're only going to – you know, I'll really only have one scrimmage to call it live, which, you know, I've done it before, right? But it's still good to get that whole operation together, right, from the signal caller to the guy who has to signal it in to the players who have to process it to the players who have to communicate what the call is to everyone else and then adjust everything out. So there's a process involved in there where right now – it's all scripted, so, you know, basically it's just on the script, so the signal just signals it in, so you miss kind of part of it, um, you know, which, which, is, which is good, you know, for us to get that. So that'll be a good thing for us to do the whole operation. Um, you know, I think, you know, whenever you're the head coach, obviously it's, it's the big picture, you know. I mean, the last six years I would go out there and really, you know, didn't really care how the defense looked. You know, I just wanted the, the offense to go out there and go have a good day because – you know, at the end of the day, that was kind of where my focus was. You know, um, now you want to see both sides of the balls executing in the way that you want them to. You know, you want to see them um, communicating, eliminating mental errors by communicating, by getting lined up, being where we're supposed to be. Uh, and I think, you know, what you really want to see is you want to see guys go out there and compete for spots. Uh, you know, every opportunity, every snap that they get to take is an opportunity for them to show what they can do. Um, it's an opportunity for them to earn a starting position or, or shoot a role in some way, shape, or form on a team that, uh, you know, we've got really high expectations again going into next year. So um, I think you just want to see the competitive nature, the competitive spirit on both sides. You want to see good fun- fundamental football because that's what we preach. That's what wins. Um, and you want to see really limited mistakes out there mentally. You want to see, you know, things that are all very correctable, um, you know, physical mistakes, maybe a wrong read here or there, you know, that's going to happen. But I'm just talking about the bus where, you know, it's, you look at it, you don't even know what play they're running because it's, you know, it's all over the place. So you try to eliminate those types of things and go out there and have a competitive day. Last question, Coach. You, you being the competitor that you are and, 
You know, spring ball is very different than football in the fall, obviously, for plenty of reasons. Does spring ball help scratch that itch a little bit? Or are you kind of constantly scratching that football itch year-round? Like, are, is that feeling you get as a head coach in the fall drastically different than the one you get day-to-day or the one you get in the spring when actually you're, you know, you're with the team? I think any time we get to be with the team, it feels it feels like so natural and easy. Um, you know, obviously this off season was uh, <laughs> between the bowl game and, and getting back to school and everything was was a uh, was a bit challenging on some different fronts. You know, uh, and you know that's that's part of the job too, right? That's part of the nature of it. Um, the football part, that's the part that's always been been easy. That's the part that's always felt right. So when you get out there, you know, I mean. If, if you watch our spring practice, you wouldn't know it's a spring practice any different than if it was a Tuesday and we're getting ready for App State, you know. Um, that's the intensity that we want. That's the effort that we want. And that's that's what we expect, um, truthfully. So, you know, I think for us, it's, yes, I think it scratches the itch. I think for us, it's, it's almost like, even for our kids, it's like a, 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 a relief whenever you get to go out there and go practice. I mean, that's just where we're comfortable you know in our element there and so uh it's been a lot of fun really to get out there to see the new uh you know not that we have many new players on the team but a couple new players to see the new coaches um get out there and it's it's so funny you know everybody always asks about the changes and how much it's gonna like when you get out there man it just meshes together and it just feels really good and it just rolls and uh you know, that part of it has been really fun just to get a glimpse at this team and kind of start to see their personality. Um, and, and you really get to see how this group responds to different things and different challenges. And you get to see who's leading, who's stepping up. And uh, it, it's been a whole lot of fun. All right, great stuff. And I lied. This is the last question, Coach, but it's not really a football question. I know with the uh, storms this week, Kids had off of school Tuesday, and uh, UL didn't have classes. They shut down. So you said you had a rare day at home. When you're just at home uh, and your and your family's there, and it's just kind of you, the wife, and the kids. What what is what is Dad Desermo like with the kids? Like what games do they like to play with Dad? Because they're still young enough. I imagine they like they like that Dad time. Yeah, sometimes you know my son's eleven, so he's starting to. Uh, he's almost. Yeah, you know, he might be at getting... that point now. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of getting to that point a little bit. Um, you know, the, what he likes to do whenever, you know, whenever he wants to mess with me at all, uh, he wants to go throw the ball in the yard, you know, go do something like that, um, you know, which is which is always a good time. And, you know, the little one, she's just starting to get into softball a little bit. So every now and then she'll have to go hit the ball in the backyard. Um, so basically what I did the other day when we were home, I, I, I ended up cooking dinner for everybody. So I uh, I was I was home long enough to get to, put some thought into preparing a dinner and cooking it. So we, we went with some fajitas on the grill and, uh, you know, that was kind of, that was my duty at home. So I Real watched duty. the kids. They had some, you know, had some friends over and stuff like that. And they were just kind of playing. So it was, uh, it was just good to be home and just, uh, you know, kind of spend a little bit of time there. Ben, it, there's something nice about when you're grilling, cause you get to, you get to man the grill, you get to sit there and, you know, the other stuff's kind of being prepared. Everyone's doing their thing. People will pop in and out, but I don't know. I, there's there's a relaxation to grilling, like as a, as a dad of three when they're running around, and I don't get to grill all that much. I, I wish I had more time, but when I do, yeah. man, talk about just kind of taking your mind off of things. 
Well, you got to be able to unplug sometimes, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, at home, you know, you ask what 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 it's like being bad. I could just no different than it was, you know, the past eleven years since we had Thomas. It's uh, you know, it's kind of funny. It's uh, it's always it's humbling when you have family, whether it's the family you live at home with or or your brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, family is a good thing because it it uh they'll humble you real quick. You start to think that you uh something you're not, they'll let you know about it. So that's always that's always a good thing for me. Bring you right back down to earth. Coach Desimo, always appreciate our conversations, man. Uh, everybody, Rage of Cajun Spring Scrimmage is two weeks from this Saturday, April 9th, Vermillion and White Spring Game, uh, sponsored by Dudley Dubois Injury Lawyers. Over at Cajun Field, be there in um, this team riding a 13-game winning streak, the longest in Division One football. Thanks for taking the time, Coach. All the best, and uh, I'll let you get back to work, man. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you having me. You got it. That is great stuff. Coach Desimo giving us plenty of time. And I didn't know that I was going to be talking to him for, you know, nearly 30 minutes. And I know he's really busy right now, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. A number of things we can look back on. Learned a couple of things in terms of the health of the team, how he's approaching the scrimmage, and much more. Up next, the Great Scott Show continues. We'll open up phone lines at 337-269-1077. Sweet 16 tonight, NFL free agency and more. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette. Don't you tell me to smile. You stick around, I'll make you put your wild. Numbers be on, but you can down. Maybe speak of the soul first to down. Style, go wild. I said, and it always brings you back when I hear ooh child. From the hunter, never have to Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Phone lines open, 337-269-1077. Talked in the opening segment about UL and LSU baseball, tough losses last night. Talked about Bob Marlin, a little bit NFL free agency. Dr. Brian Maggard, Louisiana Rage Occasion Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics, a.k.a. the AD, will join me at 830 in studio. Got a lot to get into with him. Got a number of questions for him. A lot of people were questioning some of the free agency moves yesterday in the NFL or even not so much free agency, but the trades. The trades. It has undoubtedly been the busiest offseason from a trade standpoint. Remember when The notion, remember remember two weeks ago when the notion was, well, I mean, because of salary cap and because of just non-guaranteed contracts and everything else, you just don't see that many trades in the NFL. This offseason alone, which free agency, you know, the league year only began 10 days ago. 
since the league year started, there have been nine players with 39 Pro Bowls between them that have either been traded or signed to another team. No, I'm sorry. Check that. That's just traded. The number grows even more when it's signed to another team. You're getting up in like 15 into the 50s. I mean, there's never there's never been one even close to that. Tyreek Hill yesterday, the latest one. Miami makes the move, trades some capital. They have a lot of draft, draft capital. And it really just comes down to you hope Tua is the guy. Because if he's not, okay, then what? Well, we can, you draft a quarterback later. Okay, well, if you do that, now you got Tyreek Hill and maybe the second year of a gigantic four-year deal with a rookie QB. You just hope Tua is the guy. For the Chiefs, on one hand, you your window's open, but you're you're hurting it by getting rid of a guy that is at his peak. And on the other hand, okay, you trade a guy with peak value, and you hope that you're able to continue to build a championship caliber roster throughout Mahomes' tenure because once his cap numbers start to kick in, it's harder. You just can't keep a guy at the contract Hill was going to demand. Got a year left on his deal. So you're not thinking as much about this season as you are the seasons after that where you hope to acquire enough talent that ain't going to cost you a ton of money. You can use some of the draft picks you got to do it and hope to surround him with it. Now, you're not necessarily punting on this season. Make no mistake about it. Outside of Mahomes, Tyree Kill was the best weapon or was the best weapon for the Chiefs. He's gone now. So your chances this year decrease. But if you weren't going to have him beyond that... I, I kind of get their logic. So the window's not as open this year. It's still open. But it's going to be open a lot more for us down the road if we make this move now. That's their thinking. Now, if you do that, you got to make sure you hit on your drafts and hit on your you know bargain shopping and free agency in the other areas. The Chiefs have 12 picks in this draft, including picks 29 and 30 back-to-back in the first round. They have 12 picks. They're trying to replenish their roster. It's a deep year for wide receiver. And they got Patrick Mahomes. So I, I, the more I think about it, the more I get it where Kansas City's coming from. And I get it from where Miami's coming from. They're trying to be ultra-aggressive. They got a new coach. They want to win. They've made the moves. Now it's up to Tua. ESPN Lafayette, let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Hey, Scott. I think you're right, man. Uh, I think they didn't want to get, like, Oklahoma City whenever Kevin Durant left and they got nothing. I figure they want to try to cash in their chips while they still hold them. Uh, it's a little different in the question. NFL, though, Josh, in that you do have the franchise tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like So there's so there's yeah, some there's some leeway there, but I I get them thinking, let's acquire a bunch of picks. You know, our, it, the more picks you have, the wider your margin for error is in the draft, deep draft for wide receivers, and once Mahomes' real contract, those big numbers begin to kick in, which is this year, we're not going to be able to keep Hill anyway. So the franchise tag is the only, you know, thing I can throw into your argument. But I, but I'm with you. I mean, they don't even then. That's still going to cost you a lot of money against the cap, right? So to your your, your point stands, no doubt. Yeah, and, and the thing I was looking at the other day, out of just sheer curiosity, I, I I couldn't think of a list of receivers, right? So I just looked up PFF top 25 receivers, and of the top 25. I'd say at least 80% or more were drafted in rounds two or later. I mean, Tyreek Hill was after, Cooper Cup, Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs. You 
keep going. Like a lot of these really good receivers were late round picks. So, I mean, I think at this point, you lose a guy like that that's a surefire, guaranteed, you know what it is, commodity. But I think with as many receivers that are available this year, they'll have a good shot. What I wanted to ask you was, is do you think that if hindsight's always twenty twenty, but if the Packers trading for Devontae Adams happened after this, do you think the Raiders would have had to give up a lot more, or do you think they would have been able to stand pat because that's where Devontae wanted to go? Yeah, I think the fact that Devontae was playing, uh, it's probably about the same. Because he was a free agent. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could have franchised him, but he said he was going to sit out. He wasn't going to do that again. So I think with, with Hill, it's a little different. He had a year left. You're adding years to it. I think I think it probably would have been a wash. I think in the end it would have been the same. I think the good news, you know, for your favorite team and the team we root for, I think the good news for the Saints is that so many of these moves are all the best players are just in the, you know, all, all of these transactions, the vast oh, majority yeah. of them are guys in the AFC. Oh, the, the NFC has become the Pac-10 when USC was a, was a team. Like, you know, it was like there's like one or two teams and everybody else was just spread thin. But I guess what I'm uh, pointing out, the Saints, you know, it's it's ironic that so many people were so upset about how much money Michael Thomas was getting, and now we get to see all these guys getting twenty five and thirty million dollars, and so that Michael Thomas contract doesn't look like it hurts nearly as bad uh, if he performs up to if, what there it he is was there it is if he plays because he didn't even take a snap <laughs> last year that's it's bad if he continues to be hurt and it doesn't work out um, this I'll wait till this season to decide whether it looks good or bad for sure. Yeah. Do you think that also with these big deals that are happening, this kind of hurts the Saints' chance of getting a free agent receiver since they're going to demand so much more money because of the market? Do you feel like they're just no, going to no. The, the, the receivers that are getting the Buku money are the best in the game, and the Saints were never in the market for the best in the game. So the way the NFL works in terms of the salary pool, you see, you know, you've got sixty-six percent of the league making league minimum. And then you've got about 10% taking up the vast, ball, you know, the, the big contracts. Not all max, but the quarterbacks and the star players, you know. And then you've got 20 to 24% that are just on, you know, decent deals. Nothing huge, nothing small. Like, that's the spot where the Saints are shopping this year in free agency. Although, I'm still waiting for them to do something because to this point, it's it's been a horrible offseason. But that's, that's kind of the spot they're going to look to add some receivers, I think. And... I won't be surprised if they look there in the draft either. All right, man. Well, have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it, Josh. Uh, another caller. Nope. Caller just hung up. We'll uh, we'll keep phone lines open in the next segment. We're back in two minutes. This is the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Dr. Brian Maggard in studio at 830. More on NFL free agency, Sweet 16, college baseball, Bob Marlin. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Yep, it's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Guys, remember, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable and best of 
of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code 1420 this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. License partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio. Sponsored by Bed Rivers. Download the Bed Rivers Sportsbook app. Best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at bedrivers.com. Fun first hour. Appreciate Coach Desimo coming on. Talked to a caller there at the end. Covered a number of things. Phone lines are open for you right now. 337-269-1077. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at ESPN Lafayette. Uh, LSU and UL, tough losses in the ninth last night on the diamond. Hit on uh, Sweet 16 a little bit, which uh, gets underway tonight. NFL free agency, Coach Marlin and more. It's all been on the table. We got a lot to dig into. Uh, Dr. Brian Maggard, AD from UL, sitting in studio at 830. Got a number of questions for him. We will get into that. Right now, though, let's hear from you. Back to the phone lines. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Hi. Um, you have a chance. You had a chance to rejuvenate the program. And you say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and keep them for another year. What? What, what is that? I, I'm shocked, man. Uh, well, not shocked, but I'm, I, didn't like the, I didn't like the decision. Um, now, one more thing. Is he going in just one more year left, or are you going to give him another year? My understanding is that he is entering the final year of his contract, which was very surprising to me. So he's a lame duck. Well, I'll, I'll ask Dr. Maggard how he would uh, define the situation when he comes in here at 830. Scott, man, my thing is this. I understand, you know, Napier moving on. You, you get a coach, uh, um, a young coach. And I'm, I'm not trying to be set, uh, ages or anything like that. But I just felt that, you know, you need to get younger, man. Someone who can, who understand this, this generation or something. I'm not saying, I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't like the decision. I'm sure a lot of, trust me, I, I saw on social media a lot of, uh, Louisiana fans didn't care for this decision. I, I, I think it's a joke, man. You got men like, you got people like, I won't, I'll be contradicting myself if I bring up this coach name. But this coach has, uh, as a, I know he's a little bit older, probably the same age as Marlon, Bob Howland. I wanted them to see him and talk to him. I know he got uh, let go at Mississippi State. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just thought that, that could be an up and come out there. Brad Boyd. I wanted someone like a Brad Boyd. Maybe he. Maybe Brad Boy's on the coaching staff next year. I don't know. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of disappointed. Uh, Toronto Armstead, man. I know y'all talked about it yesterday. Hey, more power to him. Uh, I guess when the same thing get Watson, I kind of felt that he was going to move on. Um, what, what's your take, man? You think they're going to get offensive linemen? I think they're going to draft an offensive lineman in the first round. What, what's your take on that? I think there's a good chance they might. Um, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a guy out of northern Iowa – 
I here's the thing, and I said this yesterday because somebody was asking me about the Saints draft and where they were going and whatnot. The reality is, a lot of how I would look at the Saints draft will be dictated by two things: what they do here in the next week in free agency, obviously, but also in the past, it's always been based around Sean Payton and his drafting style and in what he, you know, kind of how he approached the draft. He's not there anymore. Sean Payton, especially the last six years in New Orleans, had everything. He had full autonomy. He got he was the shot caller. He got to have final say on stuff. He's gone. I don't know what the mindset is of Dennis Allen, how he wants to approach the draft. I don't know what the power structure is either. So, you know, I would say, okay, if Charles Cross is still there or if Trevor Penning is still there. Yeah, they'll probably draft a tackle. I think I think you need one. I don't know that you want James Hurst starting every game, but you know, they also need receiver desperately. They also need help. I, I they need help all over on offense. They they need help at tight end. There's you know, I know they went and saw Charlie Kohler at his pro day at Iowa State the other day. Kenny Pickett said that, you know, quarterback Kenny Pickett, the Saints, you know, they had the toughest interview at the combine. They talked to me, you know, as long as anybody. So I don't know. Like, I feel like I could have a better idea of the direction the Saints would go on a draft a few years from now. But there's so much unknown with the one this year because I, I, I don't know what the power structure is currently, and I don't know Dennis Allen's philosophy when it comes to the draft. Yeah, all I know is, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to this 830 conversation because I, I, this is <laughs> – I'm shocked. Well, at the same time, I'm not. But then again, you know what, Scott? Uh, when I heard Jay on your radio last week and he said that he thinks Marlon's going to come back, I was like, wow. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, also, one more one more thing. I'm going to hang up. I blame you, man. Blame me. But, uh, that guy running into that pole. <laughs> oh, man. That was – once he was okay, I could laugh. That was something. I, I blame you. But, look, you have a good one, and uh, thank you. I saw him at Patty in the Park last week, and I guess a guy he knew was walking by and sort of waved to him and then just walked straight into a bowl. I was, oh. You know, as far as, as Coach Barling goes, I know online certainly um, there are a lot of fans that don't agree with the decision. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – we'll talk to Dr. Maggard. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't as simple as, oh, well, let's just do this. Obviously, there was a lot that went into it. We'll, we'll find out. You know, I've I've always liked Bob as a guy. and uh, But I was surprised when it got announced – not announced. You know, I know Kevin first reported it, and I talked to Dr. Maggard. I was surprised that it wasn't an extension or he was gone. I mean, it's just not normal um, – it's not as typical at certain levels of D1 sports uh, in football and basketball to have someone going in. So is is it a swan song? How much how much of this is, is predicated on, um, you know, is it open-ended? Is it, hey, we, we know that the guys are coming back and the way they were playing at the end of the season and when they were healthy? I don't, I don't know the answer to those questions. I don't know. I don't know how much, and we're not just going to talk about Marlon. We're going to talk about a number of things, but that'll certainly be on the docket. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. They were eerily close to being in the tournament. I say, yeah, I don't know why I use the word eerily. They were very close to being in the tournament. Right there. You know, against Georgia State. Who lost by 21 to Gonzaga, though it was close for a while there. Gonzaga, 
Seven straight Sweet 16s. Seven. Seven consecutive Sweet 16s. Now they'll play Arkansas tonight, and I'm sure Coach Eric Musselman is relieved that his team is an underdog. That dude loves to play the underdog card, and I don't blame him because usually when he does, it works. I mean, they they struggled to get by New Mexico State. They struggled with – I say struggled. They, it was close games. It was close games against Vermont, close games in New Mexico State. They've beaten a 13 and a 12 seed. Now they have the number one overall seed in Gonzaga. Can Gonzaga – is this the year they finally do it? Can they finally break free? Can they finally – Finally win a national championship. Gonzaga 25 years ago was a small Jesuit school in the Northwest that had pretty good basketball for a mid-major. A quarter of a century later, they're looked at as basically a blue blood in college basketball that has yet to get over the hump and win the big one. They had a deep donor base. They had a good PR department, a good sports information department, a talented head coach that didn't want to go anywhere. All of those things are rare in college basketball for a mid-major when they start experiencing really, really good success. Murray State, success. Their head coach, gone. Not the first time for the Racers. They've had a lot of coaches that have come and gone up to a P5 job, or in basketball we'll call it P6, even though that's kind of weird because I don't think Gonzaga necessarily plays in one of the P6 conferences, but we know that they're not a mid-major. You could argue St. Mary isn't even really a true mid-major with the budget and resources they have in basketball. But I, I've heard folks say, well, man, if Gonzaga can do it, then Gonzaga is, in a lot of ways, especially if they win it all this year, they're in a lot, they're in so many ways a unicorn in the world of college basketball. But the Bulldogs have put that school on the map. You go back, read about their enrollment. The enrollment fees, and yes, they were not as big in the mid to late 90s as they are now because of inflation, but if you, you, you even take that into account, it's astronomical. It's completely different. Why? Because of the success of the basketball team. All the pressure's on Gonzaga. Arkansas, oh, well, you know, the SEC. and the, Arkansas doesn't care about the overall SEC. The Eric, Eric Musselman cares about the Razorbacks, and that's it. And that is why all of the pressure is on Gonzaga. Muss loves to be the underdog. There was pressure on Arkansas in the first two games, not tonight. Having said that, I mean, I, I thought Gonzaga was going to play Arizona in the national championship, so I think they're going to win tonight against... Arkansas, I think Arizona against Houston, that Houston just, Kelvin Sampson, I mean, those guys from a build, size, and athletic standpoint are as good as it gets. They're they're one of those get off the bus and oh my teams, right? 
you see them get off the bus, you're like, holy, oh my God. That's the basketball team. Now, Arizona is their blue blood. They're great. First-year coach, student playing the pupil, possibly in the natty if they get all the way there and face off against Gonzaga. Okay. Villanova, Michigan, Villanova, Coach Jay Wright, maybe the best coach in college basketball. Juwan Howard's like, yeah, last month y'all were all ripping me. Well, how you like me now? And then the game that will be talked about the most tonight, Texas Tech and Duke. And to me, what am I watching in this game? Is it going to be Coach K's last game ever? Are they going to advance to the Elite Eight? I am watching the refs. No, I don't think there's some kind of fix in. That's not what I'm insinuating. How are they calling this game right out of the gate? Texas Tech loves to play physical basketball. Swarming defense. Getting after it. Now, look, I know Duke plays defense and takes charges, but Texas Tech, from a physical standpoint, they that's just how they do it. And if this game is called tight early on and they start calling fouls, Duke's running away with this thing. If the physicality is allowed, to an extent, we're in for a good ball game tonight over there in San Francisco. Gonzaga, Arkansas, and then Duke, Texas Tech are your CBS games. Villanova, Michigan, then Arizona, Houston are your TBS games. Meanwhile, the Pelicans have a huge game at home against the Chicago Bulls. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Emails. Jack emails. Scott, I hear some negativity from a lot of UL fans. I, for one, think Coach Marlin will do good next season. If it is a swan song, I will be there as a season ticket holder. I like what the Cajuns showed at the end of the season. I think they could continue it. Okay, Jack. There are some that feel that way. I know on social media, um, the ratio is not quite equal. But I appreciate you listening. And and there are some that, you know, are excited about it. Cajuns coming off a year. They're 16 and 15. Coach Marlin is 220 and 166. In his 12 seasons at UL, he's won 130 games in Sunbelt play. That's the uh, record in conference NCAA tournament one time in 2014. 2018, they won 27 games. And then, of course, the uh, infamous NIT, Will Wade, we play in an arena, not a gym, and yada, yada, yada. Gosh, man. Time flies by. For some reason, that feels longer than... Four years ago. Doesn't feel that long ago. Someone asked me the other day if they thought Will Wade would coach again in college basketball. I said, probably not. He'll go coach in the NBA, not as a head coach. He'll probably be on a staff. He'll have a job in hoops. But it's not like he was um, beloved throughout the college basketball industry. You know, the coaches in college hoops, it's a fraternity there. It really is. A lot of them know each other or a friend of a friend, and it's a tough life, especially as an assistant, moving around and being on different staffs. And, but there are a lot of friendships there. There's a lot of networking. And, and, you know, Will Wade's not a guy that was, again, 
beloved throughout college hoops. Now he had some supporters, he has some friends, but if he if he were to coach in college hoops again, it would be it wouldn't be anytime soon. And there'll be a show cause penalty. He'll continue to to have a, a, a career in hoops and make a lot of money doing it. ESPN Lafayette. Excuse me, guys. I'm fighting a cold. Sorry for all the sniffles. Derek emails. Scott, what's the deal with the Saints? I'm sitting here refreshing my phone every single day at every hour, and they have done absolutely nothing. Please give me some good news. Well, I guess that depends on what your definition of good news is. Um, Marcus May's contract is officially on the books for the Saints. His base salary is uh, $1.35 million the first two years, $7 million in year three, and then he has void years tacked on to the end of it in 2025 and 2026, and that's so that they can spread out his signing bonus on the back end. As far as Contavious Street goes, the D-tackle they sign, it's a one-year league minimum deal. They replaced Marcus Williams with somebody who didn't cost as much that's not quite as good, and they've signed a D-tackle at the league minimum, and they've re-signed Jameis Winston after going hard at Deshaun Watson. And that's about it. The draft is going to be, you know, where the Saints have to hit. Chris Olive, the Ohio State wide receiver prospect here at Wilson. Saints had a large contingent of coaches and staff at Ohio State's Pro Day. So one thing that appears to be the same, I talked about, you know, a new guy being in charge in Dennis Allen. Saints talked a lot about continuity, but say whatever you want about continuity. Coaches are just different. It looks like the Saints will continue to put a whole lot of stock in Ohio State, and a lot of that comes from Jeff Ireland, you know, the head scout. But they had... A whole bunch of their staff there. Nick Underhill said Dennis Allen and Jeff Ireland, the uh, GM and college scouting director, assistant GM, excuse me. Wide receivers coach Cody Burns there as well. I don't know. Is that where they go in the draft? I don't know, man. You got four picks in the top four. Excuse me. You have four picks in the top 101. ESPN Lafayette. Troy Thibodeau, Dolphins fan, is excited. Says, I love how everyone outside the Dolphins fan base is so mad, scratching and clawing for insults, displaying irrational behavior. Keep it up. It's glorious. I don't know. It's, it's, I, like, you're, you, as a Dolphins fan, Troy, you live in a different world than me, so you probably hear it, obviously, from people that know you're a Dolphins fan. I haven't heard anybody upset or anything. I'll say what I said earlier about the Dolphins. It all really just comes down to Tua at this point. They've got the talent around them. They've got a new head coach that's offensive-minded that has, at least from the outside, appeared to be on board with ownership building around Tua. They've still got a lot of draft capital, even after what they gave up to KC. It's a quarterback's league. Put good talent around a good quarterback and you can win the Super Bowl. Put great talent around a great quarterback and you will win the Super Bowl. It's hard to do based on salaries, right? Get some of them on a rookie deal. That's usually your ticket. 
Now, that wasn't the case last year with the Rams. I get it. They made a ton of moves. In the end, it paid off for them. Eh, it's usually the deal. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. That is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, is scheduled to join me at the bottom of the hour in studio. Look forward to that. If you missed any of today's show, you can hit me up over wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to The Great Scott Show. The majority of shows and interviews are posted there same day that they air. So if you missed my interview with Coach Desermo this morning, talking spring ball, you missed any of the uh, eight to 7 o'clock hour, it's all there for you. Baseball, man. When it's a tight game late, the team that loses does one of two things. They either have errors or they get generous and give free bases up. That's really it. And the Cajuns did a good job last night in Nichols coming back, tying the game, chipping away. And then in the bottom of the ninth, gave it up. They got generous. Right? Hit by pitch. The bases suddenly were loaded after a grounder between third and short. And then you had a walk-off situation. And then over in Baton Rouge. La Tech and LSU, error. You know, La Tech's hold, held on and won an extra innings. But for LSU, it's air, walk, walk, La Tech down two runs in the ninth. Suddenly have the bases loaded with nobody out. And then they got it done in extra innings. You're either creating errors or you're giving them free bases. In a tight game or a tie game late in the ninth, that typically is how you end up on the losing side of things. Not uncommon. It's unfortunately what unfolded last night. And for the Cajuns, now you got South Alabama coming to town. It's going to be a tough series. They could pitch. They're good. But can they get it done on the road? Can they get it done at Russo Park? I know five-game road, uh, road trip. Cajuns are ready to be back at home at Russo Park. And there's a lot of history, obviously, between these two teams. For longtime fans of UL, they call it South Alabama Hate Week. Brawls in the past, hard competition. And, you know, there's 27 conference games left. But I think this is a big one here for the Cajuns. I really do. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Brian Maggard scheduled to join me in five minutes. In studio, got a number of things to get into. You don't want to miss it. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Brather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. 831. Joining us now, the Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics, a.k.a. the AD, Dr. Brian Maggard from UL, in studio with me. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. Happy Thursday. This is a big cup of coffee you got there. I need it. I need it. Why is that? Oh, no, just it gets, helps get me through the morning, and uh, plus I just enjoy a good cup of coffee. You ever try to get? You ever try to like give it up briefly? Do you get like Mm-mm. bad headaches? That's not something you'd no, ever consider. I mean, I just like I wake up in the morning craving it. I really do. I drink a lot of caffeine, but it's all in the form of Diet Mountain Dew. Yes, yeah, I don't. Might sound I don't ridiculous. Do I really don't do so. But like that's it's like that and water is pretty much what yeah, I drink. That's good. Um, and beer on occasion, but not during Lent. I um I get I I considered giving up Diet Mountain Dew one year for Lent. I try to be a good Catholic. Yeah. This uh, priest who, you know, I know well and who married my wife and I years ago. He just looked at me. He's like, Scott, don't do that. Like you're, it's 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 going to end up being a sacrifice for everyone else in your life because you're just going to be miserable and yeah. headaches. So I was like, all right, that's hey, that's all I needed. All but I he had here. he had a point. You don't want to give up coffee. No. Good. Not really. Yes, being live yet. All <laughs> right, we a number of things I want to get into with sure. you, Coach. Uh, RTF renewals, uh, football a little bit. I enjoyed my conversation with uh, with Coach yeah, Deggs. Um, Diamond Sports. Let's start with uh, with hoops. Um, Kevin Foote reported on it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I spoke to you briefly. I reported on it. You guys made the decision to bring Coach Marlin back for his 13th season. Um, one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, what ultimately, well, let me start with this. How difficult was the decision for you? Because yeah. there was a lot of speculation when the season ended that they might, you guys might move on from, from right. Coach Marlin. Right. I think, you know, I'm not saying anything that people don't know or feel, and that includes, you know, our coaching staff and our student athletes, right? That the, the regular season was disappointing, right? I think the expectations were very high with the, the caliber of team that we felt we had. And, um, you know, the team lost... The losses were, you know, in the last six minutes or so, sometimes in the last two minutes of a, of a game, and uh, really, primarily, in my opinion, the result of turnovers and missed free throws many times. And so, yeah, that was disappointing. Um, but I think, you know, what, what we all saw was that during the tournament, you know, we saw what this team could do or what we thought they could do um, for sure throughout the season. And and so, you know, I, I looked at the whole body of work. So Bob has been here for 12 years, right? He has been a a loyal, good 
servant of the university, in my opinion. He really has. He's got a 75% winning record overall at UL. Yes, I know we've been short on championships. I get all that, right? But at the end of the day, Bob Marlin, um, <clears throat> he's a fantastic human being, I think. He's a, uh, he is a good basketball coach. He put this team together. And I think in March, when it really matters, in the Sun Belt for sure, um, that's when you know we, we showed what this team can do. And so uh, with all that you know, information and, and, and other information that I've gathered, um, you know, I was comfortable in uh, having Bob remain our head coach uh, for next year. What would you say other information is? Can you share what any of that is? Uh, just you know, people internally I spoke with and um, things like that. You know, uh, you mentioned the regular season. They finished mm-hmm. fifth, eighth, fourth, eighth the last four years. Um, but then you mentioned March. I mean, they're a win away from the tournament. How much did just winning, you know, several games in the tournament weigh on this decision? Oh, it did weigh on it, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, what that showed me is, okay, this team does have the potential that we all knew it had. Um, you know, was it simply the motivation of, of you know, winning a championship that sparked something? I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, I just believe that... Uh, you know, we can carry into next year what we saw in March. And, uh, you know, time will tell. I mean, I'm, I don't have a crystal ball by any means. But, but I do, at the end of the day, I do believe that, uh, you know, Bob Marlin um, deserved the opportunity to come back and be the head coach next year. As the AD, you make these decisions. And I, I know there's a lot of decisions that weigh heavily on you. Um, the coaching ones, you're dealing with individuals. So mm-hmm. it's... It's one thing when, hey, Dr. Maggard, for Cajun Field, we have this layout and this layout. What do you think? But when you're dealing with one like this, how much does it weigh on oh, you? Oh, tremendously. I mean, it's it's a very um, thoughtful process. It's one that, um, you know, because you're not just – when you make a decision to, to separate from somebody, you, you impact multiple people, right? You impact a head coach. You impact a staff. You impact their families. Um, and you impact the student-athletes, right? And so uh, it's it's a very – thoughtful process it's one that does weigh on you tremendously and um you know i i just go back to you know i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing you know what bob can do with this team next year it's a team he put together yes it's a team that didn't perform well during the regular season you know i'm i'm trusting that uh, they and and he and the staff learn from that and and uh we can pick up from where we left on but uh i just at the end of the day candidly you know, right or wrong, I felt like Bob earned and deserved the opportunity to come back and then coach this team. What's some of the reaction been like? I mean, have you heard from fans in the last... You know, I mean, you know, I, I peruse social media. And, and let me say this. First and foremost, I respect everybody's opinion. Everybody has one. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. fans are passionate. I appreciate that. And I'm never going to be one of those people who take offense to it, right? I mean, I, I know you can have some people in, in certain positions and they'll block people or, you know, from... I'll never do that, right? If people have an opinion and they want to express it on social media, they can. My skin is thick. Um, but also, you know, people, I hope, understand that that I have more inside information about things than they do, right? And, and my thought process, you know, it, it does extrapolate out. Um, I, there's other factors in play, you know, when I make decisions and things that, you know, I don't reveal to people. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I've, I am appreciative. I respect Bob Marlin as a coach, right? He's He's got a 75% win percentage here. Uh, I think his overall Division I uh, winning percentage is like 65%. Um, he's been a very good steward of our basketball program. He's a, 
a man of integrity. He's one of the good guys in the industry. He's well respected by you know all the other coaches in the country, and it's just a situation where I felt like he earned you know the opportunity to to return for this this year on his contract. Dr. Brian Maggard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. On a personal note, I've um, I've always liked Bob. I've gotten along with him, and you know things outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's 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 been he's shown to me a, a, to be a man of character. Um, I, what surprised me about the news, Dr. Maggard, is is the final year, like coaching through the final year of the mm-hmm. contract. Um, I find that typically in D1 sports at a certain level, once you get to a certain level, and I think UL is undoubtedly at that level, um, in football, in men's basketball, it's rare for a coach to be in the last year of a contract mm-hmm. in, in the year 2022. A lot of times either they won't quite get there or they'll be extended, mm-hmm. whether you, it's because of recruiting, whether it's because – Agents have sort of, over the years, made this. However, we got to this point, right. I do feel like we're at this point now. So, what went into that decision of final year of the contract, and not either uh, we'll move on or either an extension? Right. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, there's there's a parts of the conversation that that Bob and I had as we sat down and evaluated the year that. You know, I, I won't go into, but you know, our the primary focus of our conversation was to focus on this upcoming season, right next season. And um, candidly, you know, he and I we talked about his future plans, he and Jenny's future plans, right? You know, what what are they looking to do, and and what do they want to do? And um, we had some open dialogue about that. But um, you know, that's the primary topic of our conversation was okay, moving forward for this year. You know, and and he understands it's his last year of this contract uh-huh. and I do too and I think there's always you know ramifications of that I mean can I make recruiting a little bit more challenging or you know what have you but um, you know what, what we focused on was what do we need to do to continue that tournament play mm-hmm. with this team because they have that ability to do so it, so it's not necessarily a swan song of sport a swan song of sorts it's just you guys kind of discussed it on the surface or you everything's still perhaps open-ended. I think it's open-ended. I, you know, I, I never want to put myself or a program in a box. Sure. Right? And so, um, and, and and Coach didn't want to either, right? You know, we just, but that's ultimately was my decision. I don't want to box us in. I don't want to box myself in. And um, ultimately, you know, I felt like that, uh, you know, if Bob, and I think, I'm, I'm hoping he can. I really am, and he is too, right? That we can continue that March play, throughout all of the next season and, and make a run for a, for a tournament championship as well as a conference championship or regular season. And um, like I said, you know, time will tell. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're focused on how he can be as successful as he can next year as, as the head coach. You saw the ceiling at times with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of – how confident are you or he, I guess, it would be a question I'd ask him. And I, and I, and I plan on – like how confident – as a whole in, in sort of keeping that core together because yeah. you talked about it later in the season you started to see it come together you're you know a few minutes away from going to the ncaa tournament which every year is the ultimate goal you have a list of goals i think that one's at the top transfer portal it's heavy like how confident are you guys in keeping the you know they're gonna ultimately a few guys are probably gonna leave that's yeah. normal yeah but the core together yeah i mean right now i'm very confident you know i have i have no indication uh, that uh you know, that core group is, is going anywhere. But you know what? Tomorrow <laughs> we can read something differently. I get that. But, uh, you know, my my uh, my take, 
you know, uh, through my process was that, you know, our student athletes absolutely respect Coach Marlin. You know, they came here because of him and his staff. And um, I think they're all very hungry and, and, and to see what they are. They know what they're capable of doing, mm-hmm. right? And so I think they're, uh, they're hungry to, you know, get after it this summer, um, start that process then, and, uh, and have a fantastic uh, non-conference and conference season. And then how that propels them into the tournament. You know, Dr. we'll see. Dr. Brian Maggard, our guest. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I got a number of other things I, I wanted to talk to you about. Is exactly. there anything you want to add to it? And, and I know we've spent a good bit of time mm-hmm. on it, but it's something that obviously the fan base responds strongly to. So I wanted yeah. to make sure we covered it. No, I, I just want to, you know, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, everybody's... Uh, passion i pre- appreciate the support i appreciate people's opinions and uh, i you know i know people are going to have them i got it coach marlin knows that right we're not uh, but but at the end of the day you know uh, based on all the information that i have access to and that i delve into you know i, I really believe that for right now we made the right decision sure and, and listen i i said earlier when a lot of decisions as an ad some way heavily more heavily than others um Ultimately, your job, right? That's always mm-hmm. part of these decisions. So I talk about dealing with people and humans and decisions. Like you've you've had to make decisions on coaches since since you've taken over, and um, you know it's it's as an AD, you do so many things. I feel like when I've seen ADs in the past, maybe retire uh, or or go to another school, or or if a university decides they want to be let go. I deal with fans. I don't deal with administration a right. ton. The thing that, that fans always talk most about is they hired this guy, they hired that guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's, in a lot of cases, it's it's celebrated. In some cases, it's not. But my point is, you you know that part of your judgment, both from Dr. Savoy and everyone mm-hmm. else, are these decisions. I mean, I, I just, sure. you know, I know we're, we're, we're stating the obvious here, but nothing about these decisions come lightly for you. These are... These are tough decisions for a variety of reasons. Yeah, they're they're very uh, well thought out. You know, a lot of thought is put into them. A lot of, um, you know, what I would call information gathering is put into them. And um, you know, you, you make what you believe is the best decision with the information you have. And 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 look again, nobody knows how a season's going to happen next year. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm I'm very excited for and hopeful about our upcoming football season, right? But I don't know. I'm, I feel the same way about our basketball seasons, both of them, men's and women's. And uh, but you know, I know we're in a good spot right now. We're going to be we're going to be just fine. And um, and uh, you know, I just uh, but but I also I know these types of decisions come with um, scrutiny. That's just the reality of it. You're going to have a faction of people who felt like you should have made a different decision. There's a lot of people who uh, you know will support the decision. And then you got those in the middle who. You know, aren't engaged and they, they could care less. We'll probably. wait and see. Kind that's of right. It's a wait and see. That's approach. that's exactly right. But you know, regardless, you know, I, I do think that um, you know Bob Marlin's career at UL, you know, needs to be celebrated. I really do. I mean, it's it's not easy to uh, you know to win as many games as he has, you know, in in a coaching career, right? And it's rare to be somewhere for you know more a- than a dozen. Absolutely. Years. You know, yeah. so credit to him, and 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 certainly, uh, you know, he, he runs a very clean quality program his student athletes are yes sir yes ma'am type of young men um you know he, he is the winningest coach in, in sunbelt conference play and and so he's you know you know when bob is done he's going to have 
really good accolades. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I hope it's at, at the end of the day, you know, whenever that is, that uh, that, that guy is celebrated because he has he's had a he's had a good coaching career. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, Dr. Brian Maggot, our guest. You referenced football briefly. Talked to Coach Desimo this morning. The buzz continues, longest winning streak uh, in D1 football. There's an excitement there. Um, I mean, come on, we live in the South. Uh, folks just eat, breathe, and, and live football. Uh, where's the um, season ticket renewals? I know maybe folks aren't thinking as much about football right now in terms of tickets, but um, where are we at in terms of season ticket renewals? For well, I, I don't have the exact number with me. I think those went out a couple days ago, I believe it was, maybe on Monday. Um, uh, Monday or Tuesday, can't remember when it was, but uh, I will tell you they're coming in at a very nice click, and that's that's a very pleasant uh, uh, thing to, to experience. Yeah. That's right, development. And... Um, you know, it's a situation where, you know, I think we have a great opportunity in front of us. And I think, you know, it's a new era uh, for Cajun football. I think we've got a homegrown, true Cajun, you know, as our head football coach. He's passionate about UL, probably more so than anybody could ever be. Um, he's, a, he's a guy who absolutely bleeds vermilion and white. And I know he and the staff are very excited, you know, about uh, this upcoming season. And so, no, I just encourage people, please meet that May 1st deadline. That's really important. Um, you know, right now we're in the renewal period. At some point, we'll open up sales to the general public. And if you're listening out there and you're not a season ticket holder, please consider being one, right? We've got to engage people. We just have to. And uh, two best ways I always say to engage with us is to, you know, purchase tickets to our events and become a member of the RCAF. And yeah. with season tickets, you can do both. RCAF renewals happening now as well. That's correct. Annual fund, um, PSDs. RV tailgating, all that good stuff, right? And so that's a renewal period. So greatly appreciate all those who, you know, have been with us in the past for a short or a long time. And then uh, once those open up to the general public, we'd love to get more people involved. You know, I, um, I, I thought of football yesterday, but it wasn't even football. I was just yesterday afternoon, I was outside with uh, my kids and the weather. I was like, God, I wish I was tailgating right now. And the football schedule this year, I know every year, you you know, a lot of it's dictated by ESPN and the TV contract and everything else. There are a lot of Saturday home games, man. That's right. And um, now keep in mind, though, keep in mind, though, that can change, right? Remember, we had the Ohio game set for Saturday and we got a call and, you know, got moved to a Thursday night. Is I there believe. a deadline when that could happen? Sorry. I, 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 yeah, I got, usually, I mean, I think it happens before the season for the most part, right? Unless there's something, you know, really, I mean, it could happen during the year. It absolutely could, you know, especially because they get a two-week window. But they right? but they would move the date of the game or just the time? Um, it could be both. It could okay. be. It could be. I, I was, did I miss, I thought yeah. if, I thought the two-week window is we can move the kickoff up to 11 or back or something like that. Yeah, I didn't realize it was shoot. like a day. Yeah, you said you could be wrong. I don't know that they'd be like, <laughs> we're going to move right. this to Wednesday. Yeah. You know, well, um, gosh, well most it. of these kickoff times are TBA anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I just know when I looked at the schedule, I was, yeah. I was fine. No, and I, I would anticipate that, you know, we're going to uh, stay as is, which I'm excited about. Look, I we only have one uh, weeknight game, home game, um, and we have what, five Saturday games, right? And so it's a good... I think it's a great schedule for us. I think it's an opportunity to do very well this season. And, uh, you know, as a coach, you know, he's a much better speaker to this than I am. But, you know, we're going to have a new quarterback. You know, I think that's going to, um, you know, play out quite well. But it's going to be different. New is new, right? And and one thing you had in Levi Lewis, you had you had great experience, right? You had a general on the field. 
And so, you know, you, you can't put a, a value on experience. Sure. And so, you know, our next year's quarterback is going to be inexperienced compared, right? But uh, I tell you what, they're going to be a fantastic athlete, whoever it is, because these guys are competing at a high level, and, and we've got we've gotten great quarterbacks. ESPN Lafayette. Um, I want to clear something up. I, I don't always do the best job of clarifying my questions. I think when we were talking about the Cajun Field renovations, mm-hmm. I was asking you about the video and the highlights and how one side of the stadium is full and the other side sometimes isn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wasn't asking if you guys were ever considering switching flipping the field in terms of like season ticket holders and where they sit. I was, it was television camera. Correct. Yeah, no, I understood. No, I understood. Well, it ended. And then like people like reached out and they're like, why would you ask that? That was dumb. They're not, I was like, no, no, no. I was asking about the cameras. Okay. Well, I'm glad you understood the question. No, I did. Absolutely. I guess I've talked to you enough that you understand when I ramble, you can kind of piece together what Scott's actually trying to ask. Um, Okay. Well then, then uh, then we can move on from that. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. (laughs) Um, Diamond sports. Big series against South Alabama this weekend. A lot of history. Um, we talk about tailgating. We talk about atmosphere. We talk about mm-hmm. weather. Um, this this looks like it could be one of those weekends. I know um, you've got uh, Sunday to bring your kids to the park. You guys have been doing a lot of different things, as you always do in terms of promotions. Mm-hmm. But where how are you feeling right now about UL softball and baseball to this point in the sure. season? Well, I think, you know, both, if you were to talk to both coaches, you know, they're going to sit there and say something similar is that, you know, we're, you know, we're, um, you know, we may not be clicking on all cylinders, you know, the way either we expect to be or thought we might in, in, in certain aspects of the game. But, uh, you know, look, our, you know, our baseball team, we know there's no doubt they're, you know, we're struggling right now. We, you know, we struggle on the mound. We, uh, last night I was watching the game on, you know, on stats and, you know, we left a couple of runners. Got chronic scoring. joint pain? Not having success. I apologize for that. We, um, you know, left some runners in scoring position on a couple consecutive innings. And uh, I know that's not the style of baseball that, that Matt Deggs wants wants to see us play. But, you know, at times, those ha- at times that happens. And so then we come off of a rough weekend at Troy. I got it. So, you know, there's no doubt that this weekend against a very good South Alabama team is going to be important. And uh, I remember texting Coach Deggs on Sunday. I was driving back from Houston, and we had uh, just lost the third game uh, against uh, Troy. And, you know, just told him, hey, our backs are against the wall. We need to come out swinging next weekend. And uh, he agreed. So that's just kind of where we're at with that, that uh, with baseball. And I think softball, you know, continues to find themselves, particularly defensively. Um, you know, I, I really do expect a, a really good performance, you know, from our team this weekend against UTA. And, um, you know, it's, it's still early in the season. There's a lot of softball and baseball to be played. But at the same time, you know, we, we also got to make sure that we're, we continue to coach our kids up and, and correct the areas that need corrected. ESPN Lafayette, that's the thing. I mean, <clears throat> where the teams are having issues, it's not like, uh, well, here, it, it's, it's obvious, you know. Sometimes it's not as obvious to the naked eye. The coaches have pointed out, you mentioned defense on one side and, you know, pitching on another and, you know, being too generous and talking to Coach Deggs and Coach Glasgow have such different personalities, mm-hmm. you know. Talk to Coach Deggs on a Monday and he's, I don't know, he's like, he's bright and rosy and don't mistake that for him not being That's right. um, very competitive right. and always having an edge to him. But uh, I think Coach Glasgow is long term still has 
great confidence in the team, but he's still, I don't know. It's just the way they, they, they take, right. they're very different. And, right. and talking to him every Monday, it, I, I learn a little bit more about their personalities every time. But, um, you know, this is two programs with uh, strong fan base, mm-hmm. strong pedigree. Right. Great tradition. Great tradition, and um, there's a lot of season left. And, you know, these are big weekends coming up for both of them. No, no doubt. Question. No doubt. And, I, you know, and here's what I, I know people understand this, but I think sometimes it, it needs to be said is <clears throat> nobody dislikes losing more than the coaches and the student athletes. Trust me. You know, even though, you know, you wonder, well, how can you, how can you lose games and then keep losing games? But, uh, you know, it's uh, – I, I really do. I believe that, you know, our staff will get it figured out, our kids will get it figured out, and – and at the end of the day, we're going to have a very successful season on both sides. UT Arlington coming to Yvette Girard Field at Lamson Park this weekend. I know the softball fans are excited to have it back. Um, softball here. And then they go to Texas next Wednesday for a midweek mm-hmm. game in Austin. Another shot at the Longhorns. And, you know, there's a lot of softball and baseball left to be played. And in terms of, I know we're deep into the season, for folks listening that, are just maybe they've never done it. Maybe they've never gotten the ticket. Maybe they've mm-hmm. never just said, you know what? I've always just kind of listened or been from afar. I want to go see what this atmosphere that everybody raves about is really like. I want to feel it. Because we talk about the the games themselves and the results, and understandably so, the atmosphere from the fans at both venues is really, I think, what makes mm-hmm. is a lot of things make it special. Mm-hmm. I put it at the top of the list. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, I, I, when I arrived here five years ago, I came from an SEC school and, you know, walked into a, a baseball game here, and it was like nothing I'd ever experienced in my, you know, at the time, 25, 26-year career, right? Um, and then uh, softball is just, you know, a whole different level in, in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. So, you know, my encouragement to people is if you haven't tried either, um, please do, Right. You know, it's an affordable product. It's a good product. Uh, you know, if you like a little bit faster-paced game, come to softball, right? But if you've got some time to just sit back, enjoy, a, you know, a beautiful ballpark, um, some nice weather, um, cold refreshments, um, come out to baseball as well, you know. But, uh, no, it's uh, – I, I think they're both great family opportunities. You know, bring the kids, bring the family. Um, come by yourself. It doesn't matter. But uh, if it's something you're thinking about, do it because – you won't be disappointed, you know. I, I don't think so. Just the environment, as you mentioned, Scott, uh, in both venues is fantastic, and, and and the culture in both is is really fun. It's just it's different. It's what makes sports special, in my opinion. It's the shared emotional experience, and fans do it every day, online, at work, wherever. But when you have them all in the same place, right? right. That's that's why you know folks will say, "Well, man." Season tickets, more people watching it on TV, and, and all this. And I'm not I'm not talking about specifically about you, well, just in sure. general about sure. sports. And I'm always like, all of that's true. But if you've been to a sporting event <clears throat> where the atmosphere is special, yeah. then you know, okay, you cannot duplicate that on the screen. That that's shared right. emotional experience, and then teams begin to feed off of that. Good, bad, worrisome, fired up, doesn't matter. And you know, you can do that at concerts and other things in life. But there's something about the competition of sports right. that. I don't know, man. It's 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 special, and um, you know, I think I think the atmosphere is going to be special this weekend for both. I'm uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, the weather's going to be beautiful. You've got uh, an unbelievably great matchup uh, in baseball with South Alabama. Uh, you've got uh, you know a softball series coming into town that I think it's going to be really fun to watch our team against. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's just 
You know, we try to keep things affordable, you know, from refreshment or concessions to tickets. Uh, you got a great culture. You got a great environment. Come out. Come see us. That is Dr. Brian Maggard at Maggard B on Twitter if you want to follow him there. Anything else we can add before you go, my friend? No, I just, uh, again, I appreciate Cajun Nation greatly. I, uh, you know, hang with us. Don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, get, don't get down on anything and uh, make sure that uh, you continue to support the Cajuns because, you know, we are here to have a fantastic program. That's, that's never not in our plans, and uh, I just appreciate everybody's support uh, up until now, and uh, we look forward to a remaining successful spring and a fun fall. Always appreciate you taking the time, Dr. Maggard. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Great Scott show tomorrow. We'll have plenty to chat about. Working on talking to the head coach of Loyola, national champs, uh, Gus Kattengall and Brad Topham to talk preview Cajun South Alabama. All that and more tomorrow morning on the Great Scott show. The Dan Patrick show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. (laughs) 